Welcome everyone and thank you for joining our Upside Avenue educational webinar series. Upside Avenue recommends that you do your own research and due diligence before acting upon any information shared during this presentation. Um, throughout the presentation, if you have any questions, please type them into the Q&A box and our guest speaker will address them at the end. This series is developed with your input. We surveyed our investors and followers to find out what financial and investment topics everyone is interested in learning about. And then we look for subject matter experts all over the country who can speak on these topics in hopes of providing you with the knowledge and confidence to discover your upside. Our survey is open for your input on next year's programming. And we invite you to go to invest.upsideavenue.com slash education2021 to take the survey. We have a fantastic speaker for today's topic, investing for retirement during the 2020 bear market and beyond. As a member of the financial planning team at Fund X, he is involved in developing and stress testing financial plans for clients with a focus on retirement, education, insurance, and many other aspects, financial aspects of life. He plays cricket on the weekends, and he told me he loves to shop at and explore Costco, which should probably be an interesting adventure with his two and a half year old son and eight month old daughter in tow. So please help me welcome investment advisor and certified financial planner from Fund X, Rohan Nayak. Rohan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for the great intro. Yeah, I'll turn the time over to you now. Great. So thank you, Jessica, again. Uh, I'll share and start off with my background, but Jessica gave you a professional background. And I'm a financial planner, investment advisor here at FundX. Um, 10 years plus of helping people planning and investing for the long term for retirement. And I'm also a certified financial planner, uh, which means I'm a fiduciary who acts in the best interests of my clients. And I want to share a little bit of personal story before we get into this uh, topic, just to give you some background on myself and my approach to investing and, and planning. So I come from a pretty traditional family where my father handled everything to do with our finances. Uh, he was the breadwinner. He was good at saving, investing, doing things on, on by himself. And that was all good until this was the 15 plus years ago now. Uh, I was an undergrad in college and my father suddenly passed away. And that really left our family uh, kind of broken for lots of different reasons, as you can imagine. And, you know, the one thing we learned from that incident was he was he had really done a good job of managing our finances but it just wasn't communicated to the rest of the family which which happens um one thing that showed up and helped us a lot was he had a couple of life insurance policies that paid off to us and the money that came to us was really the money we were going to live off of for our living expenses for uh, education of two kids me and my brother and possibly my mother's retirement money. So we got the money, we said, okay, this is at least we have this. And we said, what do we do with it now? You know, we didn't know, we weren't educated enough. And we did what everyone else does. We 
asked in our social circles, hey, what should we do? And one of our family friends said, hey, you know, I've been part of this great hedge fund. It's done really well. You should check it out. We did. And we said, you know what? Let's do it. We took all the life insurance proceeds, put it all into this hedge fund. Um, and, you know, uh, for a couple of years, it did great, great returns. And we felt like this is going to go on forever. We can use this money that it's, it's creating for us and use it towards our lives. And this was before 2008. So before the 2008 Great Recession. And so 2008 came about and that's when reality hit us. Uh, we lost, gosh, um, more than 60% of our money. That, that, was, that was us for our living and education. So that was a big reality check for myself and my family. And that's when I thought about, I really need to educate myself before we make more moves that could hurt us. Uh, and without, know, without knowing what you're getting into, it, that's the toughest part of investing and everything financial that you do. So I started educating myself. That turned into an interest uh, of finances, investing in the markets. That interest turned into a passion. And that's pretty much why I'm here. Now it's my career. I love helping people. I, I don't want people to go through what I went through. Uh, I, I, I want them to use my experience and, and uh, learn from it. Um, and we as a family and for myself too, did what most people do. You, once you have money, you want to grow it as much as you possibly can, sometimes without real meaning. So you see it on the screen. That's my personal philosophy. And I live by, you know, just don't just invest for the sake of investing, have a meaning behind it. So that's my personal introduction. I'll talk a little bit about Fundex, um, our firm. We have a 50 year history of helping people invest to, uh, for a secure and comfortable retirement. Um, Evidence-based investing, we use mutual funds and ETFs only. Uh, it's a systematic process. We don't make any emotional decisions for investing going forward. We don't, we don't make gut feels. Um, uh, and it's a very unique active strategy designed to navigate the changing markets. And I'll talk about that, what that exactly means. Uh, we invest in equity, uh, equities, fixed income, sustainable investing. That's a passion of our CEO, Janet Brown. She's big on that. Uh, alternative investing is a, is a newer focus in the last couple of years that we have created. And who do we work with? It's mainly personalized wealth management for individuals, families, uh, business owners, and, and retirees. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. So, you know, before jumping into directly into investing, I want to start off at a high level and build to how we organize our thoughts eventually getting to what we do and how we think about investing, especially this year. Um, this is a study we came across from Transamerica Center. And these were some of the stats that stood out to us uh, in terms of retirement investing in 2020. So seven in 10 workers are saving for retirement. 19% of workers are not sure how their invest retirement savings are invested. You know, I've come across people who say, I've been contributing to my 401k for years but I recently logged in and it's been in cash, uh, which, is, which is not a good thing. So you wanna know once you're saving, even in retirement accounts, what's the next step, how it's being invested. Um, many people guess at how much they'll need for retirement. This is a really tough one. It's tough to draw a line in the future and say, this is exactly how much I'll need if I wanna retire. Uh, 
So that's something you want to work through and help yourself. It's very customized to each couple, each family, each individual. 23% feel less confident about their ability to retire comfortably in light of the pandemic. That's a very current issue. Uh, it's been a tough year for, for many, depending on what industry you're in. Some people have been forced to retire early and really change their financial picture. Um, and the last point, many aren't familiar with spouses, savings, retirement accounts. We see this all the time, even with our current clients. You know, it's, it's natural uh, for each of us to have our accounts and we place our money in different accounts, how we think about it. And we assume it's clear to, to your spouse or partner, to your family, but it's, it's important to communicate uh, what's in your mind, how you think about your money. So given that my personal mission, just even for this presentation and what I do for my clients is, is really to help you feel more confident about retirement investing, um, make smart financial decisions now that can set you up for future success. So don't just follow general guidelines. Uh, don't, you know, I've seen people say, I'm 10 years away from retirement. I'll worry about it in, in a few years. Uh, that's almost, it's, it's, it's backwards, right? Once you get there, it's hard to do things to prepare yourself for retirement. It's really what you do leading up to it that sets you up for the retirement that you want. So uh, take advantage of that. Uh, take advantage of opportunities in the market environment. Things change faster than you can predict. So prepare for the changes that can come about. Capitalize on your peak earnings years. Uh, this, is, this is tough, but you know, people sometimes don't know when that is. Um, it, it's tough for when I say that, that nothing lasts forever. When, when you're making good money, you gotta take advantage of it, do the right things with it. Uh, if you know your trajectory, it's, it's somewhere higher in, in the coming decade or years, then set yourself up for it. Uh, develop skills and habits to create long-term financial well-being. So you have to think about it now, how you want to build your routine financial habits. You know, it's, it's just like anything else, right? It's uh, your, your diet, your daily, uh, daily diet, your fitness, your exercising. It's hard to change overnight. You have to kind of slowly build that as you go. And same thing, I think, with your finances and financial well-being. Build that into your daily life and it'll pay off as you go. So let's get started. Step one, you know, define your goals and needs. So no matter how big or small your, your goals are, you want to identify them. You, know, you want to know what they are, where you're going with them, and maybe even quantify as much as you can. Sometimes that's hard. I understand that. But you want to take your, your best guess at quantifying them. Um, you want to think about what are you trying to achieve with your money? What other goals do you have at this point? So don't just think about goals where you, from where you are today, but also from a standpoint, what would those goals look like five, 10 years from now, or what new goals can pop up as you go? And the other big question for retirement is, how far are you from retirement? Sometimes that's a really easy question to answer for some, uh, others not so much. Um, and when I say that, it's because I've seen people who are in their career jobs now, but they always feel like maybe I should have tried something else, or maybe I still can, but they're too nervous to let go of something good in terms of income they have now, a stable income, and try something different. So that could be part of your retirement planning. You know, end your first career, try a second career when you feel financially comfortable. So the answer to these different questions 
can vary a lot depending on which stage of life you're in. And I've kind of separated these stages in those three, three points there at the bottom you can see on your screen. So early career is, is when you've just started working, you have, you know, you're trying to figure out your lifestyle in terms of savings, investing, your income, how your spending is shaping out to be. Your mid to late careers, I call them the go-go years. Uh, these are your, your, could be your peak earning years, right? You could be approaching your peak earning years. It's really important to figure out what you're doing with the money you're earning, uh, how much of it are you spending, how much are you saving, how you're investing it, uh, because that's really gonna affect what your life is gonna look like later on, uh, which is the third stage as well, uh, retirement. Uh, at this stage, you worked, you've saved, you've invested, but now uh, how do you still grow your money, but also wanna preserve it in terms of, of risk? Because you want that money to last all the way throughout your life, and maybe even pass it on to your kids or charities or whatever goals you may have. So it's important to, to do that. Uh, I have a survey here uh, real quick to see from our audience, uh, what stage are you in from these three? Uh, what I wanna focus on today was the, the middle stage, the, the mid to late career stage, because, let me just close this here, uh, because that's a really important stage to focus on. It provides a lot of options for you because you're making good income, um, you're spending, but you're saving, you're also investing your money. So we have clients in all of these stages, but we just feel this stage is important to set you up for your, your later retirement years. I know that personally works for me because that's where I'm at. <laughs> so let's see here. So when you're in this stage, mid to late career, it comes with opportunities, right? In, in this stage, you likely have stability with your career. You know what your role is. You know your trajectory uh, in terms of capacity and room for growth. You've, you may have hit your peak earnings years or you may have that coming in the following years. Now, on the personal side, you may be discovering or you've already discovered your family, what you want that to look like, your family responsibilities, uh, uh, planning what you want, your later life to look like. But the, the biggest opportunity in this stage is time. Uh, time is perhaps your most valuable asset because you still have time to do things with the money you're earning, the money you've already saved up, up until now, and have it be productive to accumulate and provide for your goals later. So those are opportunities. In terms of challenges, uh, this is also a very busy stage of life. So you're focused on working uh, on your career, you're also focused on family at the same time, you're bound by responsibilities. And at the same time, the money you have uh, coming in is, is competing for different priorities. Uh, and this happens all the time with, with families and couples we talk to. Uh, they're always thinking about, okay, I'm making good money, but should I use that to pay off my student loan or put it towards the mortgage or a car loan that we have? Um, or maybe should I just use that towards our kids' college education? Um, or making sure we have enough emergency savings in cash, should I buff that up even more? So you only have so many dollars in your hands and where you allocate that really matters, right? And, and it's, so it's a competing narrative for your money. Uh, we actually think this is the right time to start seeking professional help instead of doing it much later because you just get down by responsibilities as you go. And then before you realize like, man, I should really clean up my finances and figure out where it's going. So it truly helps to start early in this stage uh, and plan for what that looks like. 
So step two, getting organized. You, you really want to know your finances. You, know, want, you want to know how much is coming in. You want to know what your spending looks like. Is it trending upwards? Is it, do you know how you have a good handle on the spending being consistent for the last few years and coming years? Um, you want to review your existing accounts that you have. We've seen so many times people without realizing have so many different accounts. Is it better to consolidate them to, to be more organized? Uh, also think about, do you need new accounts in terms of a, a IRA or a Roth IRA for, for retirement if you haven't done that already? Um, and actually, when, you, when you're doing this, create a bucket strategy. That's something I call bucket strategy, and I'll get into it in terms of what that means. So on your screen here, you see these, there's different buckets. And starting to the left is the smallest buckets. And as you go, you build these over time with your, with your finances and your cash flow uh, towards the right on the very long-term biggest bucket. So just to explain what that means, on the left, you have your short-term smallest bucket, which is likely your checking account where it's an active inflow of money in and out for expenses and things. And then uh, to the right of it is your savings account. It's your emergency cash reserves. Uh, how much should you have there? Uh, that varies a lot depending on your situation and what you're comfortable with within a household. Uh, we've seen people have as less as up to three months of spending for savings and that's all the cash they keep, versus some people just feel comfortable and want to have up to two years of expenses sitting in a savings account, earning minimal, but they just feel like if something were to happen, I know I can count on that cash. I don't have to go to my other account to cash out from the markets and things like that. Uh, so that one varies. And then the third bucket is, I call it the midterm goals, the things you would need money for in the next five to 10 years. So uh, that would be invested very differently because it's for you sooner than your last bucket, which is long-term. It's likely for goals you want to have 10 years plus. Right? Maybe you want to start a business in, in, in 10 or 15 years, or even retirement. Uh, that looks very different. At the bottom in the red there, you'll see is just an example of some of the some of our clients uh, have allocated money to these different buckets. It could vary, vary a lot depending on your situation, a uh, family, or what, what their cash flow looks like. So just an example for you. Uh, so once you figure out your bucket strategy, the next step is to uh, for for investing. You, you want to know which account which accounts belong in which buckets. You the the buckets and accounts could be different enough to invest differently. Meaning, let's say if you're you have some portion of your money that you need you're saving to buy a home in the next two to three years. So a strategy for investing that money will look very different versus money you're saving to maybe just a dream of buying a second or a vacation home 10 to 15 years from now. So you'll invest that very differently from the money you would need in the next two to three years to buy a home you want to live in. So you want to figure out what your goals are and link, link them to your accounts, short, mid or long-term goals, uh, to your different buckets that we just talked about. Now, in terms of investing your retirement accounts, you have to think big picture. You know, people get focused on one account at a time. It's easy to do that because that's how uh, our infrastructure is set up. You log in and you look at, oh, okay, I have this money. How should I invest that? Uh, we actually think you got to take a step back and look at all, all the different accounts you have uh, 
and see what your allocation looks like from that standpoint. Overall, how much do you have in stocks? How much do you have in bonds? Do you, are you diversified enough? Do you have a concentration in just one stock for some reason? This is true with uh, you know, some, some of the people who work for tech companies where they get compensated from stock, stock options. A lot of their wealth tends to be in this one stock because that's, that's how they make their income. Uh, so that person will invest a little bit differently from someone who doesn't have any stock options based on risks and how they're concentrated in terms of their portfolio. So the strategy you design, given these different factors vary. Even you know, a strategy for a taxable account could be very different for, from a retirement account because a taxable account, you wanna be careful about taxes that you're incurring, how much activity do you have in those accounts? So something to keep in mind. Uh, what we like to do, here is create a portfolio x-ray we call it to start out with it's of your entire portfolio and it gives a breakdown of what your allocation looks like it it highlights any concentrations it highlights any sector issues that you're focused in on and that get gives a starting point then to drill deeper and figure out solutions for each account and to invest to link it to your overall goals and plan now, in terms of actual investing, you know, I'll start off touching on the traditional approach to building a portfolio. This is asset allocation. Uh, you know, you're, you're buying certain areas of the market to build out your portfolio. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen this. You, you want to put certain percentage towards uh, large companies, small companies, uh, foreign stocks, and within foreign, there could be developed markets, emerging markets. Uh, and then also overall, or how much of the money you're investing in growth stocks versus value stocks or funds. We don't think about investing this way. Uh, we're a little bit different and I'll get into what that means. But there, one reason we think there is a bit of a flaw in this system is, uh, is the risk factor. Some growth funds, if you invest in them, are far more concentrated than others. Uh, emerging market funds also vary. Uh, some could be more volatile than others, depending on what companies they're investing in. So you can argue with this passive asset allocation approach, you could be buying and holding something that has more risk than you intend. But traditionally, this has been the approach of many managers where you're buying areas of the market and you're holding and you're rebalancing frequently. So before I give you our example of how we invest actively, I want to touch on how we look at risk first uh, at our firm for Fundex. So on the left, you'll see the different risk classes that, that we like uh, to look at. So we feel that every mutual fund or ETFs belongs in one of these risk classes, class one through five here. And to explain these risk classes, I'll start in the middle, class three. Class three is market-like risk. It's, it's any broad index or basket of funds uh, that's like the market. It's similar risk, similar return. And then when you go a step above that in class two, it's a little more targeted. So an example would be um, an, an Asia fund, right? It's, it's not all encompassing developed markets, but specific slice of a foreign market, Asia, in terms of region. And then class one would be diving deeper, a thinner slice of that plot pie, uh, a China or India fund. So first you were in Asia in class two, and in class one, it's a little bit more concentrated where you focused on investing in, in China or India. And 
the opposite is true if you go down the risk ladder. So class four, uh, towards the bottom there, would be balanced funds, a mix of stocks and bonds to make up the funds in that class. So it's below market risk. And then class five is purely just bond. It's all fixed income. So low risk, low volatility, as you may know. So that's how we think about risk when we invest. And in terms of our strategy, I wanna give this example. Um, it, let me walk you through what this chart you're looking at is. So what you're, what you're seeing here is a breakdown of different calendar years from 2002 all the way down to 2019. And then the returns you're seeing, the numbers you're seeing are S&P 500, so US stock performance year by year, how they have done each year. And then right below it, EFI is the index for foreign markets. So how foreign markets have performed each year in these calendar years um, for, for the last 20 years. So, and each time there's a highlight within each, each year, it tells you which US versus international, which performed better. So you can see in the early 2000s, a lot of blue here. So blue means international performed really well. And then red means US performed well during those years. And then to relate that to our strategy, at the bottom of the graph, what you're looking at is, this is actually showing the percentage of our actual investment for our strategy how much we were invested in, in foreign funds or, or foreign allocation. So you can see in the early 2000s, uh, a lot of blue, it started off around 20% and slowly crept higher and higher. At one point it hit up to above 80% uh, before 2008. And then it kind of drifted up lower again because US started doing better and our exposure to foreign remained lower for the most part in the last decade. So the point being, our strategy invests in what's working now and adapts as markets change. So while, you know, when the, the early 2000s, when other investment managers were slightly increasing their allocation towards foreign because it was performing better and well, we were, you know, between 20 to 80% with our client accounts and that really helped our client performance. So, and this is just one example of how we move toggle between two different areas of the marketplace. Uh, it applies to other areas of the marketplace as well. This is just an example how, of how we invest actively in what's working now and adapt as markets change. Uh, we look at our portfolio um, on a monthly basis. We and then we ask ourselves, do we continue to hold what we have bought or trade for something that's trending better? Just an example. So what does that mean for 2020? I'll, I'll talk a couple points about us, where, where we landed in 2020 and also just in general uh, tips for uh, others who are listening and even for our clients when they ask us what we should do. Uh, for 2020, we ended up using you know, our active philosophy. It led us to an overallocation in growth and tech. Tech has just turned into a, a defensive sector all of a sudden during this pandemic. We capitalized on that using our system and helped our client portfolios. Earlier in the year, when the market saw a steep downturn, we were busy actively harvesting losses for the benefit of our clients. This is mainly done to lower our clients' tax bills uh, as we're making changes to the portfolio. So we, we harvest losses throughout the year, but when there's extreme volatility, we look at that closer to take, out, take the advantage of that. You know, people ask us throughout this year, these are clients, people that we talk to, people that follow us, um, what's, what's the best course of action? And for us, it's, it's really, reassessing your financial plan 
and let that dictate if you should stay the course. Uh, because likely, you know, one year or, or one phase of market moving should not change the, the direction of what you plan for, unless something significantly changed in your life, personally to you. Um, and the last point we have uh, encouraged is, you know, add cash. Add cash and get aggressive with your portfolio, but be opportunistic about it. Take advantage when opportunities come to you, given the markets are moving. Uh, those are some tips. And then this slide I've added in here, it's, it's interesting. You know, let's say you've done all the work. You've organized your assets. You've organized your different buckets, your accounts. You know what investment strategy you want to apply to each of your account. And this happens all the time with us. People come to us and, and say, okay, I'm ready. But then they start looking at the markets and pay attention to the news and they say, oh no, um, I know we're, there's a looming recession. We're still in a pandemic. We had a, we are, we had a bear market. Um, is this still the right time to invest? Should I actually implement what I, what we drew up? And, and it's followed up by a question about, are we still in a bear market? Or bear market was earlier in the year. Now are we in a bull market? It's not really clear to them. So I want to just straight up, you know, put the definition of a bear and a bull market here, just to point that out. Bear markets, market condition in which security prices fall 20% or more from recent highs. So this happened in, in early this year from Feb to March and April. And then <clears throat> bull market coming out of that, a bull market is a rally greater than 20%, but only becomes official when the S&P 500 hits a record closing high. You know, the funny thing is I, I read another variation of it and that said, you know, similar to this, a rally greater than 20%, but only official when the S&P 500 hits a record high and stays there or above for the next six months. So that's something that's pending. So based on that definition, we don't know. Uh, we, we are trending towards a new bull market, but it's yet to be seen if, if that continues given the ongoing concerns of, with this virus and pandemic and, and, and all things. Um, I wanna point that out because it's important for people to understand that. I also included questions that come up into people's minds uh, during a bear market. And, and it's, it's, it's normal. Uh, these questions come up you know, when markets are, are falling. Uh, did I make the right moves this year with my portfolio? A am I in the right investment strategy? Should I buy with the cash, cash I have now or should I look to sell? Uh, like we just talked about, are we still in the bear market? When does the new bull market begin? How can I be ready for it? Is there another crash coming given the state of the economy? Should I get aggressive or conservative before or after the elections? Um, all good questions to, to think about. And we have actually, we've had these from our clients being asked to us, uh, even those who are invested with us. Um, the one thing I wanna point out is bear markets are, are not very common. The last bear market, aside from this 2021 we had this year was in 2008. So it's been 12 years, 12 years later. So it's normal to have these questions and concerns during a steep correction or a bear market year. Uh, during bear markets, people are fearful. They may invest you know, conservatively because that's it's just the nature to do that. They just feel like, you know, maybe I wanna wait until I feel better about the markets when there's more stability. 
And you know, it's the opposite is true when the market's up and up and up uh, during a bull market, people then worry about, oh, maybe stocks are overvalued. Maybe I should wait for a pullback before I invest more. So you have questions in the back of your mind, no matter which stage of the market we're in. And that's actually a good common reason why people hire advisors. Uh, they, they just know that it's hard for me to act on uh, investing consistently. I'd rather have someone who I trust uh, act on my behalf and keep me on track with my plan. And I also have a slide here for a correction. And there's a distinction here between a bear market and a correction. So bear markets are extreme. Like I just said, they don't happen very often, but, but they're quite large in terms of a, a, a downturn for the markets, equity markets. Uh, corrections are way more common. You could see a five to 10% correction possibly a few times a year. It's part of long-term investing. Uh, again, it's normal to have these questions uh, during a correction. And sometimes people even start to feel that panic Every time, with every correction, trying to feel like maybe this correction can turn into a bear market, um, which, which is normal. And again, like I said, corrections happen all the time, even during a bear, even during a bull market, excuse me. So you want to set the right expectations for yourself when you start investing for the long term. You, you want to understand corrections happen all the time. Bear markets also happen um, every few years to, at a minimum. And the question then becomes, um, so what do I do? You know, there's all these moving parts to the markets. I want to invest my money. I want to keep investing. So what you want to do is create a financial plan and stick to it. I've talked about planning throughout the presentation, but let me talk about exactly what a plan or a financial plan means. So the financial plan piece touches on these, all these different bubbles you can see here on the screen in blue. Um, let me start at the top and kind of go through each of them. So cash flow management. You want to look at what money's coming in and are you putting the savings in the right places? It could be retirement accounts, IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, 529 education accounts for your kids, a taxable account. Um, should you use it to for your new car you're going to purchase next year? Where should that money come from? Things like that. Risk management actually is touching on an insurance analysis. Insurance for you, your family, your property, your umbrella insurance. Assess if you need any of these and all of these. If you do, how much is too much? How much is too little? Uh, does it protect all the assets that you have and the goals you have set for yourself? Asset management is actually talking about your investment portfolio. Uh, are you investing efficiently? Are you targeting the right risk and return given your short and long-term goals? Um, you wanna look at that closely. Income tax planning. Have you done everything to keep your tax bill low year to year? And that could mean different things from year to year, depending on your situation. Uh, for example, should you tax loss harvest more aggressively? Will that help your situation? Something to consider with your accountant or, or your CPA. Education planning. Um, how is planning for your kids or grandkids uh, funding their education part of your overall plan? Retirement planning, that's a big component of this, part of your long-term goals. What do you want your later life to look like? And how are you going to set yourself up for that? And the last one being estate planning, uh, protecting what you have, planning for the worst, uh, what will happen to your assets? How will it transfer to your kids? Will it be a burden for them? Do they know what you have set up for them? Um, 
also sometimes, you know, what about leading some of your assets to your charities if that's your passion? So many things that could that could entail, but just for you to think about all these different bubbles when you create a plan, and that relates to your overall investments and how you invest your money. So I'll give you a quick case study or, or an example of our actual client, um, a couple that has, has two kids, they're in mid-career, and they, they're actually, the wife is uh, a child of a long-term client of, of ours, and the, the parents decided to give her a sizable inheritance, and that really sparked this conversation. They thought, and we thought this was a great time to create a financial plan for them, talk about all these different things, because they were asking, how should we invest it? Should we invest it differently from the money I have in my 401k, et cetera, et cetera. So we went through a very thorough process to getting everything about their financial household cleaned up, provide more clarity uh, to them. And it really helped have some conversations they had never had before or often they wrestled with. Uh, at the end of the process, the client, she herself said, you know, thank you for helping us get organized, providing clarity on some things but we always wondered and guessed or sometimes even argued with, within the couple of how to attack certain financial liabilities or savings. And this process helped them figure that out. And at the end, she even asked suspiciously, why are you doing this for us instead of just focusing on our portfolio and just investing our money to grow? And it was actually an easy answer for us. And, 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 I, and we said, you know, it just helps us become better investment managers. It's easier for us to recommend our clients the right strategy when we can see the full picture uh, with your financial household. So it, it just makes us more confident in our recommendations and it gives us more confident that you'll be able to get to your goals and passion and keep things more realistic um, and, and quantify them much as we can. So just some takeaways in terms of a recap for what we went through today. Uh, some things to think about as you head towards the end of 2020, um, Bear market is an opportunity. As much as it creates fear for what you have, it can be crucial to invest money during a bear market if, if you're prepared for it, if you have a plan for it, right? Um, and when you do invest, you, you have to invest for the long term. Keep your goals and timeline in front of you and, and just focus on the long term. Short term investing um, is a trap. Uh, you can, it's, it's tough to keep guessing and make just timing the market, you can get it right once or twice, but it's really, really tough to keep making short-term guesses and moves with your money and portfolio um, for the long-term. Uh, it, it, it actually ends up hurting you over time. So the, the simplest thing, you know, in a way, starting to invest is really simple, but keep, to keep on investing is the hardest part. And that's why, you know, advisors come in for a lot of people and help them professionally to keep them on track. Uh, two last points about the year-end focus. Um, look at your accounts for tax loss harvesting, mainly your taxable accounts. Uh, look for any distributions from funds that you may be receiving in the next month or so. You might want to avoid them. Some moves you want to make before the year ends for your tax bill uh, for next year, for this year, 2020. And the last point, Roth conversions. Um, we have written about this for our followers. We have talked a lot about this in the last six months with our clients. Should you convert some of your retirement tax deferred money into tax-free Roth money? A lot of factors behind it. Um, having to do with your income tax rate today versus the future income tax rates that you'll be in, depending on your income changing. 
your time horizon, um, lots of different factors. So talk to your advisor, financial planner, um, and or your, your CPA to have that conversation. So a couple things I wanna leave you with. Um, Fundex is really focused on investor education. We put out a free guidance for investors weekly via email, so you can sign up at fundex.com. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we like to engage with our followers and they like receiving uh, insights from, from our side uh, in, in a weekly format. For myself, happy to offer the followers for Upside Avenue uh, a free 20 minute retirement interview. I've covered a lot in this presentation. So if you have any burning questions, you wanna just get a checkup uh, with me for what you're doing, happy to have a conversation and see if we can add some value uh, to your and your situation. So email me. Uh, Rohan at fundnext.com and we can set that up. Perfect. We'll open it up for some questions now and go ahead and type them in the Q&A box. Um, in the meantime, I have a question. Um, mm. With Where do you recommend we put our emergency savings? Because it seems like regular savings accounts just don't have the greatest interest rates, but they have liquidity. What do you recommend? Yeah, you know, even within regular savings accounts, there's different kinds. When I say that, you know, you go to your typical bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, uh, they offer very minimal interest rate savings, like to your point. There are also online banking systems where they usually provide a little bit of a premium on what these traditional banks provide. So I would look there first. We, we, we send, you know, our, our clients links to these online banks all the time. They're also FDIC insured. They very much operate just like traditional banks. They just don't have an in-person physical presence and that helps them save on costs and they provide that to you in terms of an interest rate. Perfect, thank you. Awesome, let's see, we have another question here. Um, should I make changes to my portfolio now given the economy um, may be different next year? And then a second part of that question is, um, how will the vaccine come into play there? Yeah, that's, it's, it's a good question. Um, and, and you know, it, in a way that's, it's, it's really a, um, a short-term question, right? It really depends on what the next three, six, eight months look like. And I have no idea. Uh, I can't put a timeline on, on the vaccine or economic policies and what they could mean for the markets. So I, I would say don't try to make changes now based on a, a forecasting hunch. And that's something, you know, like I said, we try not to do. So uh, if, if you are investing for the long-term and you've made long-term moves and positioned yourself in that portfolio in that way, uh, keep doing it. Don't, don't change it based on what you think may happen. Uh, take the long-term track. Uh, we have another question here. Um, is there an ideal allocation for the mid-career uh, investor? Good question. And, you know, for a typical mid-career investor, there, there likely is uh, an answer, something like 80% stocks, 20% bonds, something along those lines. I, I don't want to give you a specific answer because it, it really should be customized based on your goals, and the type of accounts, whether you need some of the money sooner versus later, the allocation varies there. Uh, you can easily find the answer to this by Googling it, but uh, which, which is it's out there. But I would say kind of create the plan for you and figure it out that way and let that guide your allocation instead of just 
following a general guideline. So I don't want to give you an answer. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Wait, you don't have your crystal ball that you can. <laughs> That's right. Dust off there. <laughs> well, thank you, Rohan, for sharing your knowledge and providing some really helpful tips for us here on on think things to consider for retirement. Sure. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. Definitely. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, if you'd like to contact Rohan, we had shared his contact information on the screen. Um, and also let us know how helpful this content is by taking the short survey at the end of today's session. And um, let us know too what other financial and investment topics you'd like to, us to cover. Um, we're, we're actually working on next year's programming now. So um, look out for that uh, email that has the link to that survey. Um, we will find subject matter experts like Rohan who can speak on these topics because at Upside Avenue, we're committed to helping you live your upside. So you will be able to access a recording of this webinar and many other resources at upsideavenue.com learn. So discover your upside with Upside Avenue. Through our non-traded REIT, you can enjoy benefits of real estate investing for as little as $2,000. You can visit our website, UpsideAvenue.com, or contact us to find out how. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, stay safe, and we wish you well. Bye now.